0: Welcome to the Life Melbourne podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Well, I'm going to be talking today about this whole topic of God is eternal. So we're in this series at the moment of foundations and you know, we have looked at, Pastor Paul brought an awesome word about how God is good, that no matter what is going on, God is always good and He has things under His control. And then when Pastor Robert last week brought such an incredible word around how God is holy. And today I have the honour of talking about how God is eternal. And what an amazing concept that is, that God is eternal. He is outside of our space and time. He is so much greater than what we're currently seeing. He is infinite. He is everywhere. He is omnipresent. He is the God of the heavens and the earth. And He's a God that we serve, yet we cannot fully understand Him completely. He is beyond comprehension. There is no Author of Him, there is no author of His life, He is the author of life, and this can mess with our thinking, our human thinking, our human limitations. Because God is not limited, we are limited, but God is not limited. And I just want us to really grasp this fact today of how God is eternal, and how much greater, and how much more He gets things compared to us and our human limitation and our human understanding. And the amazing thing is that he says in his scripture in Ecclesiastes 3, that eternity is in each of our hearts. So we have, all of us, whether we know God or we don't know God, we have this sense of eternity being in our heart. It actually says this, I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity into the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So He puts eternity in our heart. It's that thing that when we look at creation, we know there's gotta be more. When we look all around us and you know, at times life cannot make sense. There's this thing in us that says, well, there's gotta be more. And so He's placed eternity in our heart, yet it's something that we can't fully grasp. It's something that we don't see with our natural eye. And so it's something that we have to trust God with. And the amazing thing is that because we serve an eternal God, we actually have an eternal purpose. Our purpose is not confined to this natural world we live in. We have an eternal purpose. And I think one of the greatest challenges is that we live with this tension of living with eternity in our heart, but we're in a temporal world. So we serve this eternal God, yet we're stuck in this temporal earth that we live in. I mean, God says that we have heaven waiting for us. How amazing is that concept? we have eternity with Him waiting for us. Yet, we are positioned in our day to day in a very temporal world. So it's this constant tension of not getting stuck in the temporal, but living for eternity. And you know, I think that the challenge is that we can get so caught up in the scene that we miss the unseen. And I mean, the Zoom season that we have been in and this video season that we have been in is a prime example of how we can get focused on what is seen and not unseen. I don't know about you, but how many times have we done a Zoom call where we've got everything happening up top, done our makeup, our hair, clothes all good up top, but underneath it's a whole other story. I mean, we've got our slippers on, our trackies, our active wear, because it's not seen. So we don't need to pay attention to it. Yeah. And you know what? <laughs> to be honest, that was just an airing that fell. We're all good. But to be honest, you know, we, we, we focus our attention on what is seen and if I'm gonna have a bit of an honest moment here, last year, I actually preached a whole message to you all in my slippers because my slippers weren't seen. None of you knew. It was still a great message, but on my slippers. And I know that's messing with you, some of you right now. And you're like, are you in your slippers right now? But I just wanna verify, I have good shoes on. But you know, it can be easy to focus on what is seen rather than the unseen. And there's this incredible scripture that actually God challenges us about that in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 to 18. It says, "'Therefore we do not lose heart, "'though outwardly we're wasting away, "'yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day.'" For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The unseen is what needs our focus more and more. But we can be so tempted to fix our eyes on the unseen seen. Rather than the unseen. I actually love what C.S. Lewis says. He's an incredible author. He writes a lot about eternity. And he says if you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. How challenging is that? That we need to continue to lift our eyes, that we can need to continue to focus on what God calls us to, which is eternity. So today we're actually gonna look at a bit of a passage where Jesus talks about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven coming and end times. And this passage that we're looking at is actually just before it, Jesus is talking about the wonder of end times and he's talking to his disciples about how one day he is gonna come back and there's gonna be an end to the earth that we live in today and there's gonna be heaven that is available for everybody who believes. And it's this incredible, he really challenges the disciples and I really want to encourage you actually in two weeks time, Pastor Paul is going to be doing a series on end times. And you know, there's lots of questions that we're getting around that whole topic at the moment. And I'm really excited that we're going to be able to explore that in further depth. But I wanted to encourage us yet, yes, there is heaven waiting for us. And we can get caught in so many different things at this time around end times and how it's all going to happen. But I want to encourage us that Jesus always says that heaven is going to be our perfection. It is the promise. It's where there's no more weeping, no more tears, no more heartbreak, no more insecurity. There is perfect peace, perfect joy, and perfect wonder of knowing God. What an incredible thing we have to look forward to. And so Jesus is talking about this whole concept of end times. And then he goes after that into this parable. And If you don't know, again, what a parable is, it's just a story that Jesus uses pretty much to get a point across. And it's found in Matthew 25, verse 1 to 13. It's the parable of the 10 bridesmaids. And it says, "'Then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids "'who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. "'The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil "'for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough "'to take along extra oil.'" When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming, come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. When the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So Jesus said, you too must keep watch for you do not know the day or the hour of my return what a challenging passage this is because this is where Jesus is pretty much saying, guys, you have to live ready for my return. You know, we can get caught in so many details around end times at this time, try and work it all out. But Jesus actually is saying here, guys, you're not gonna know it all. You're not gonna have it all worked out. You're not gonna fully understand at all. But I wanna encourage you that I have called you not to know the details, but to live in a way where you are ready for my return, So this whole passage is Jesus saying to us, get ready for my return. So what I wanna do today is actually break this down a bit and look at how five were wise, five were ready for the return of Jesus, but five were foolish and what we can learn for them. So I wanna talk about this whole concept of living ready for Jesus. And the first thing is, the first thing, we're prepared to pay the price. Five bridesmaids were prepared to pay the price for the oil. They were pre-prepared. They had a predetermined decision that I'm going to wait for the return of my bridegroom. Whenever that time would come, I'm ready because I have paid the cost. You know, this isn't something that we often talk about in church, the cost of following Jesus We talk about how much love, joy, peace, freedom, hope we find in Him. But we often don't talk about the cost. And see, the thing is, all of us can know Jesus. Every single person that believes can enter into a relationship with Him. But to know Him is to follow Him. And to follow Him, there's a cost that's involved in it. And today I want to challenge us is how are we paying the cost to follow Jesus Christ? Because man, He is worth paying a cost for. He is worth giving our lives for, giving who we are. He is our Saviour. He is our friend. He is a Lord and He is worthy of a cost. You know, uh, Christianity, it's not about a set of beliefs that we choose just to invest ourselves into. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ, following Him, knowing Him. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 16, verse 24, Jesus said to His disciples, what, whoever wants to be My disciple must deny themselves, set aside selfish interests, set aside self, and take up their cross, which is a willingness It's a willingness to do whatever is necessary to follow Jesus and to follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. There's a cost. So what does the cost involve? The cost involves giving up what I want and doing what he wants. The cost involves, it's not about my agenda, it's about his agenda. Cost involves my time, my priorities, because I'm seeking Him. The cost involves doing church however we can in this season. I wanna applaud you still doing church online even though sometimes it's not the easiest, but we do it because we're prepared to pay the cost. We're prepared to do whatever is necessary in this season to follow Jesus, to pursue Jesus. A big one again in this time, Pay the cost is to think like Jesus, not to think how the world would want me to think, what is going on all around me, but to think like Jesus. The cost is not being a slave to sin any longer, but a slave to righteousness. Come on, how are you paying a cost to follow Jesus? What is the cost that you're paying? Because there should be a cost, because when we pay the cost, we enter into a new depth with Jesus. See, He's not just Lord, He's not just Saviour, He's not just our comforter, He's not just our friend, He's not just our healer. Yes, He's all those things, but He is God. And because He's God, it demands us putting aside who we are and following Him, actually denying ourselves, surrendering who we are to Him and Him alone. Are we building what truly matters because we are following him? Again, I love Matthew 10 verse 38 says, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. See, the cost of following Jesus is so so worth it because of who he is. one. on Thursday, I was having time with Hope, our daughter, just homeschooling her. And all of a sudden I got all these text messages from different friends, different leaders saying, hey, we just got an email from you and it looks like a scam email. So I phoned the legend that is Will and we realised that scammers had got into my email and were sending out these uh, emails trying to get money from people. So flippin' annoying. And uh, I, we had like about an hour or so that we had to you know, figure out what was going on and uh, redo things so that we were protected again and it was all good. but. You know what I thought in that moment, man, scamming is at a historical high in this season. I actually read an article that said last year, $850 million was lost in Australia alone because of scammers. And you know what, if we're not aware of it, there is a scam that the enemy is doing at the moment too. There's a scam that would have us focus on the deception of the enemy, that this temporal world is what we have to live for rather than the eternity God has for us. Yeah. And we have got to make sure we don't continue to buy into that scam, but we have our eyes set forward watching how our God wants us to watch. You know, the, the funny thing with scammers was I always thought, oh, that'll happen to somebody else. That won't ever happen to me. Always pushed to the side as this thing that would never impact me. And you know what, sometimes we can do that with eternity with those eternal questions like, what is afterlife? Am I really living for eternity? We can kind of just push it to the side and not take it as a personal question, but as a question God wants us to continue to have. Hey, how are we living for eternity? I remember the question, grappling with that question for, I suppose, the first time in a really major way when I finished high school. And all through high school, I, to be honest, just lived for personal achievements. And I had followed Jesus, loved Jesus, and seen friends discover Jesus. But my top agenda, to be honest, was just my achievements. I'd academically, musically, sporting-wise, you know, head girl sports captain, all those kind of things. But I finished high school with this incredible sense of emptiness. And it was that moment of what have I actually been building over those years that really mattered. And I realised what only mattered was how I followed Jesus and how I led others to Him. And from that moment onwards, it changed the entire trajectory of my life. I decided from that moment onwards, right, I'm following Jesus with everything that i got. I'm pursuing Him as my number one. He's no longer just a side thing that I attach when I really want to. You know that wild card that you just have up your sleeve when you really need it? No, He's my number one. And you know, this season is an incredible season where we can reevaluate things. And what a question that we can ask ourselves at this time is, is Jesus really number one? Am I really living for eternity in mind? Am I really living that way? What a challenge in this time. What a question to ask ourselves. It's a question I often look at in my own life. Mate, how does my budget reflect how I'm living for eternity? How does my day-to-day reflect it? How do my priorities reflect it? Taking time to personally live with that conviction. I pray this is making sense today. But the second thing I really want to look at in this whole story of the, the bridesmaids is we're committed to keep the fire burning. There were five bridesmaids, they were committed to keep their fire burning. When the five foolish ones said, come on, give us some of your oil. They were like, no. And some of us could read that and be like, well, that's pretty harsh, but they were protecting their oil. They were protecting their fire. And a challenge that I feel really stirred in today, again, to ask ourselves and to look at our lives and go, hey, how is our fire going? How is our fire for Jesus going? How's that fire in our hearts for Him going? Because like I said before, we should live lives of devotion to Him. God isn't coming back looking for us to get perfect, looking for our perfection, looking for all these things we've done right, all these ticks we've done. No, He's looking for a people who are devoted to Him. Like Scripture says, He searched the earth looking for those who are devoted. This parable, you know, the Jewish custom of the day with wedding feasts meant that the bridegroom would leave his father's home and go to the home of the bride to, to pick her up and they would go to the wedding feast together. And when he arrived, at the home of the bride, he would expect there to be this procession ready, lights ready, bridesmaids ready. Jesus is coming back expecting us to be ready, hearts on fire, passionately pursuing Him. And I know I'm getting stirred today because I feel like this is a Word from God for us saying, how is our fire going? Because I know for me, man, it's been a challenging season where I have had to stir up my fire afresh, stir up my devotion afresh. We can't get it corporately at the moment. We can't get it through meeting with other people in that church environment like we used to. So we've got to stir our own faith, stir our own fire, live passionately in love with Jesus Christ. Come on, how's our fire doing? How is our fire doing? Because you know what? Just like the other five bridesmaids, there are going to be demands that come around us that will try and take our fire demands all around us that will try and steal, extinguish the fire that's within you. So what I wanna look at as we just come to the last part of this message today is how we guard our fire, how we guard that fire that God has given us. Come on, you know that fire that I'm talking about. For you, it may have been an encounter that you had with Jesus where you just knew that you knew that you knew how loved you were how much he saw you. Maybe it was when you first encountered Jesus, that wonder of knowing how good he was, that you weren't on your own anymore, that you had an eternal Saviour. You had heaven waiting for you. What an incredible wonder. Come on, we're gonna keep living from that place of devotion to our God, knowing how much he's done for us. So guarding our oil, what does that look like? It looks like, first thing, guarding against the demands of the hour. Guarding against the demands of the hour. You know, there are demands all around us at this time, the time that we're living in. And if we listen to those demands, it's gonna take our fire. I know about you, but if we listen to the media, to the voices that are all around us, it leaves us so disempowered. It leaves us feeling fragile. And we've got to learn not to listen to that, listen to the demands of the hour, but to tune instead to what our God is telling us. Again, speaking about eternal and eternal things in Isaiah 55, verse eight to nine, God is saying to us, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know what, we have got to take hold of God's thoughts and God's ways because they're not our ways. But it's only when we take on God's thoughts that we actually enter life. You know, our brains are hardwired for God's thoughts. They're hardwired to know life. That's what leads us into peace. That's what leads us into security, to a steadfastness where we can have hope in the middle of hopelessness because we take on His thoughts. You know, the wonder of Scripture in 2 Corinthians 10, verse four to six, it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the Word of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, which tells me we have authority over our thoughts. We're in a season at the moment where mental health is talked about a lot. And I know the feeling of how your thoughts can just run rampant. And you can feel like this is out of control, but I wanna encourage you today, you can control your thoughts because of the God, the living God that we have who's with us, that says, I've given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love and a sound mind. He promises you a sound mind if you take on His ways. And I know it can take time, but I wanna encourage you today, take on His Word. And to be honest, I have found myself in seasons where it's just felt like I can't navigate this time because to be honest, I've allowed other voices to come in and to rob my peace and to rob the Word of God in my lives. And I've had to have seasons where I just get into worship and the Word and I surround myself in it. And I just get back into that place where God's Word Is how I think. You know, we can't be left to our own devices in how we think. Let's be honest, because we'll just run everywhere with our thoughts. God gives us a pathway to think, and it's how He thinks. Let's take hold of His thinking, not our thinking. I love what the preacher Martin Lloyd James says. Most of our unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you're listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. Man, we need to talk the Word of God to us. Stir ourselves up. It's what I've had to do in this season. Talk to myself. Tell myself the Word of God. Rather than tuning into those other voices, tuning into the Word of God and what He says. The second thing is to guard against unmet expectations or the demand of a finish line. See, the five wise bridesmaids, they lived ready. They didn't set an expectation of when the bridegroom would return. It actually says that they just fell asleep because they weren't expecting Him to arrive. But when He did, they were ready. You know what, if we set expectations about how God should work or when things should happen or this is what I'm holding out for, we set ourselves up for hopelessness because Scripture says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Come on, what finish lines have you set in this season It's just allowing you to feel stuck because your hope is in an outcome rather than what God is asking you, how he's asking you to live in the middle of it. You know, we have been watching SAS a bit and we, we um, you know, love moments of it. Moments of it can be pretty intense, but just love the challenge that the, um, the army guys bring to these celebrities. And there was one particular challenge where they got these celebrities to, to do a challenge and then said, here's the finish line. But then once they got there, they actually set them more of a task ahead. And it was amazing how many of them struggled because they thought the finish line was in one place, but then it was set beyond them. And this is what the the army guy, whoever you call them, what he said, we we push the finish line back deliberately because in battle, you never know when it's going to end. We need to be committed to carrying out the battle, not to the finish line. Committed to the battle, not to the finish line. And as he said that, I felt this prompt by the Holy Spirit. You know what, as Christians, we've got to be committed to the battle of this hour, not to an outcome, not to a finish line. Come on, I know what it feels like. Would COVID just end? Would all these things going on, would they just end? But our hope is not in an outcome. It's in the God who is walking with us in it. And he has a battle for us to take on in the middle of it, where we're going to see people know him, discover him, walk with him, where we're going to be used like never before because of eternal purpose. Let's never lose sight of what God is doing in us and what God is doing in the middle of this season, because he is God in the middle of it. He is greater in the middle of it. The third thing is we've got to guard against the demands of people. Guard against the demands of people. You know, I think, again, one of the greatest challenges at this time can be just the demands of people around us. You know, the demands of different voices and different opinions, vaccinated, unvaccinated. You no, know, we should be standing with the government. We should be standing against the government, all these different opinions. And I get the passion behind those different things, but my concern is that we're getting so caught up in issues that we're missing people in it all. We are missing people. We are missing the agenda that God has given us to build and to reach people. You know, our neighbour has recently just got a new puppy. Thank you, neighbour. And this new puppy just yaps and barks constantly. And so, you know, one particular night, it was honestly 11.30 we were woken, 2.30, 4.30, and then seven o'clock in the morning. And I was not a happy camper, I love my sleep. And so I remember sitting there in the middle of the night being like, okay, this neighbour is so inconsiderate. I am about to get up right now, knock on her door and just give her a little bit, a piece of my mind. And I felt in that moment, God say to me, nah, you aren't you know what, there's a person on the other end of that yapping. There is an individual on the other side of that yapping. And so I can't react in the middle of it, even though as much as I wanna react, I have to do it in a way that keeps in mind the person. And so the very next morning, I sent Craig to deal with it, which was awesome. And he dealt with it in a great way. But you know what, I thought in that moment though, how easy is it for us to get caught up in all the yapping? all the barking that's all around us in this time. And we miss people. And God is saying, it's all about people. People are my priority. In the middle of this, I'm wanting to reach people. So guys, how are we reaching people? How are we loving people at this time? And you may be like, well, you know, it's hard with all these restrictions, but there's still stuff that we can do. We can still get creative. Sending gifts to people, sending links to people for church online, phoning people. Come on, it comes back to people. Let's not get distracted by all these other things and miss what really this life is all about, which is people taking people to heaven with us. That's what it all comes back to. The last thing is we've got to get a guard against the demand to be undercover. You know, increasingly, as Christians, there is this challenge that we have to just be quiet about our faith. You know, to not speak up, just to be the quiet Christian. You know, to not really stir things because everyone is entitled to their opinion. But guys, if we really believe what we believe, if we really believe that there is a heaven, that there is a hell, we cannot be undercover Christians. We cannot hide the light that God has placed on the inside of us. We cannot hide what God wants to do through us. Come on, we are not called to be undercover. Like Matthew 15 verse 14 says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden and neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Guys, we're not called to be undercover. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Guys, how is our light going? Come on, we know how our fire is going by the light that is coming from it. How is our light going in this season? How is it reflecting who our Jesus is? And as I close today, I really wanted to share this amazing story that Jazz sent me, who leads our Alpha is a brilliant job. And it's the story of Sia. And Sia came along to church because of Charlene. Charlene is an incredible woman of God. And Charlene met her as a work colleague and just started to get to know her, build relationship with her. And Sia started to open up to her about how she'd always felt like she was chasing something in life. So Charlene just got chatting to her about God and actually one day prayed for her in the middle of crazy traffic everywhere in the middle of the street, took a moment to pray for her. And from that moment on, she invited her to church. She's been coming along to church every um, every Sunday and is now so involved, but she joined them in Alpha as well at the beginning of this year. And Jazz says that in um, being an alpha, she shared about her experience in her life. And she started being raised with parents that weren't of faith, but they enrolled her in a religious boarding school in Sweden. It's where she first heard about Christianity, but she went to different churches in Sweden and Europe, beautiful, stunning churches, but just couldn't find God. And so at the age of 14, she began running in a major way, did ultra marathons and regularly would run distances of like 50 kilometers and races that involved 100 kilometers, like what a runner, amazing. And she began to believe that pursuit of pain would somehow bring her fulfillment. But in 2017, mid-race at the top of a mountain, she just found herself completely spent and cried out. And she experienced, had an incredible God encounter. And she described it as the sensation of a hand being laid upon her. And as it happened, her body and spirit just became restored, renewed, an incredible feeling of love. She was cleansed from the inside out, hit her. And she just knew that it was God pursuing her. And then she knew in her heart that this experience was from God. So she thought, well, I just need to get to the mountaintops to continue to find Him. So she even went to Everest in her pursuit of finding God. But it wasn't until she met Charlene, a woman that showed her the reality of who God was in her own life, she got invited to Alpha, discovered the wonder of who Jesus really is, that she opened up her life to God and discovered Him for the first time in a truly personal way. And now she goes to two connect groups, she's in Sunday prayer meeting every morning, just totally on fire for Jesus. And it happens because Charlene took the time to walk with her, took the time to be a light to her. And Church, I really, I pray that we hear it today. Come on, we're called to have hearts on fire. We're called to live devoted to Jesus and that we would protect that fire, we'd protect that devotion and we would keep living for what truly matters, which is people. And if you're joining us today, you know, and you're listening to this and you don't feel like, you know what, I could say that I'm living in relationship with Jesus. I'm living in a place where my eternity is secure, where I know without a shadow of a doubt that I will be going to heaven. And I wanna encourage you, just like the amazing Sia, all she did was pray a prayer that opened up her life to Jesus and started a journey of following Him. And right now we're gonna pray a prayer that you can be part of too And that prayer. It invites God and it starts a relationship with Him where you surrender your life, where you say, you know what, I'm sorry for how I've lived. I know I'm not getting it right. And I wanna start to follow you. I wanna start this relationship where you become my God. So right now, if you're in this place where you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, or maybe you once did, but you know other things have got in the way, this is your moment to make a decision, right? I'm drawing a line in the sand and I'm pursuing Jesus. I'm giving Jesus my everything. So repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, I invite you into my life. I ask you to be my God, to be my Lord. I'm sorry for my wrongs, and I want a new start and new. I wanna know your peace, your freedom, and your joy. I commit to following you and knowing your ways. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. We trust that you are encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Melbourne campus. If you're not in Melbourne, then join us for Church Online wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifeau.org to stay connected and find out more.